some of you, you submitted some questions you wanted to answer about the Democratic National Convention. Sorry it took a while, but promised that it would answer those questions, and so I decided to make sure we answered them. So one of the first questions that was asked is, would a broker convention split the party? And to give you the 10-second version of that, yes, it probably would. What do you think, Chris? Um, I think probably, I mean, the, a 10-second answer, I think it would certainly depend to give a nice lawyerly answer, but I, I think it would really depend on whether or not the broker convention resulted in, like, it would, the conclusion of the broker convention would be the most important thing. If the candidate who ended up winning the broker convention was probably the favorite candidate going in, like who had the plurality support but just didn't quite have the majority, then I think it probably wouldn't result in a split. If by some miracle, though, the some dark horse came in that was totally unacceptable, then maybe there could be a split. But I think also that it's so hard to win as a third, like, so as to say, so impossible as to be near impossible for a third-party candidate to win that a prolonged split of the party, I don't think would result. Maybe a short-term split, but... Also, keep in mind that any party, any group of people are free to go out and create their own convention. So, for example, if some states were particularly aggrieved, it would, those states could band together and create their own Democratic Party, and they could have their own convention. It has happened in the past. Well, they, they fact, probably also wouldn't call it their own Democratic Party. They'd probably just go, like, a progressive... Like, I say, hypothetically, as a progressive wing that broke off. They'd probably just start up a distinct progressive party. This is one of the things that led to the Civil War. The Democrats could not agree on a candidate. So the Northern Democrats re- remained the Democrats, and they came to one Democrat, and then there was a split of the Southern Democrats, and the Southern Democrats nominated a different presidential candidate. And then they all had a free-for-all. The Democratic nominee in the North won some Northern Electoral College votes, Democratic nominee in the South won some Southern Democratic Electoral votes, and then Abraham Lincoln won the majority of the Electoral College. But, I mean, again, I think that's that just proves how exceptional the idea is, that it, it's literally one of the most, you know, tense parts of our history did that happen. In other times, like the McGovern Commission, there are plenty of pro, there are pro-Vietnam, anti-Vietnam, and we saw a broker convention or something equivalent to it, and it still didn't split the party. It just resulted in internal reform within the party. So I, I think it, it's a tricky question to answer. So the next question is, what is a broker convention? Has it happened before? And the answer is a broker convention is when there's no nominee that's chosen on the first ballot. So basically, different party leaders have to, or different just delegates in general, have to go on and do horse trading, in a sense, to agree on a nominee. This is actually what was the default case. In fact, prior to this centralized primary system that we now have, basically every single convention was a broker convention. So up until we start having a primary or a caucus in every single state, we had a broker convention overall. And as we mentioned in the ep- the full episode that we're releasing on our feed as well, but part two of the DNC series, in fact, the 1968 convention was a broker convention. In a sense, we nominated someone who didn't even win any single primary. And the only reason they could be nominated is because it was a broker convention. And it was also at a time when there were sort of nine non-binding primaries. So it's definitely happened before. It will probably, depending on how things go, happen again at some point. Although we've also mentioned why it'd be harder. So what are some things we can tell about broker convention? In short, basically... See our first episode and our second episode. <laughs> yes, but in general, people get nominated as delegates to the convention and they all start voting for, for different candidates. And whoever gets the majority of the candidates vote wins. Okay, next question is, how does a party end up with a broker convention? The fast and quick and completely true answer to that is, someone doesn't acquire the majority of the delegate votes. 
Uh, has the Republican Party the fast and quick answer? Has the Republican Party ever had a broker convention? Yes, it has because we had this whole system where we did not have primaries in the past, and because we didn't have primaries in the past, basically there there were some candidates that people knew would be nominated, but really how the votes would come down at the end of the day was not sure because there was delegations from all over the country. They would come together in a big room, and the leadership from each state would probably sit down and agree to a certain delegate or a certain uh, nominee. And if they didn't come together, they would have a few different ballots on the floor and they would eventually come up with a maybe a, a compromise candidate for president. So yeah, this is something that has historically happened in both parties before the primary system. Next question was, who's eligible to leave a broker convention with the nomination? As we mentioned in this episode that we did on the second part of this DNC series, Essentially, anyone who's eligible to be nominated as a Democratic candidate for president. So really, anyone who could have campaigned for the Democratic nomination is someone who could also be the nominee at the end of the day, even if they didn't win any primaries, or if they didn't even participate in any of the primaries. Uh, has anyone who won at the broker convention won the general? In modern times, no. As we said before, anyone who was nominated in the past before the primary system was more than welcome to win the general election because there was really no none of this primaries between different individuals in different states. Really, the primary served, the first primary served as a testing the waters of the strength of a nominee in a particular state. So there would be a non-binding primary run in a certain state to see whether or not a certain person had the guts to win that state and to win nationally. And if they did, then they could potentially be nominated by the party as a whole, but there was no requirement for the party to do so. Why does the DNC not use ranked choice to mitigate this problem? Do you want to address this one, Chris? I mean, I don't know if there's a solid and fast answer on this. I think part of it is probably because uh, most people... I mean, if I had to speculate, I'd say ranked choice is actually somewhat complicated for many people to understand. Um, In other countries that do use ranked choice, sometimes the average person doesn't fully understand what they're voting for. It's kind of hard to educate people on that. Um, and two, yeah. Also, to add to that, uh, in a sense, they kind of do. They they use traditional rank vote, where instead of like, for example, right now we have the reason why we rank votes is because we don't want to have a new election every single time a candidate is eliminated. So what we do is we have instant runoff voting. That's a type of rank choice voting. And so basically, what it does is you give your first, second, third, fourth, etc. choice. Now. Suppose instead you could have an election after every single candidate is eliminated. You basically get what you get happening at the DNC, where if no candidate receives the majority of the vote, you have another ballot. So basically, candidates can drop out. They're not required to. But if people see that a particular candidate has a very weak showing, they might move their votes to a stronger candidate. So this is a sort of non-binding instant runoff voting where there's no instancy in it because you just have a new election. And it's non-binding because if no one gets the majority, then people can continue voting for other candidates and a candidate is not required to drop out. But in most instances, if a candidate has a very weak showing, they'll probably agree to support a stronger candidate in exchange for some kind of cabinet position or maybe the vice presidency, their support for vice presidency later on. So, so actually, just to back up, so just to clarify the question a little bit and make it I guess, more easy, simpler to understand. Uh, should we take this question to mean, why doesn't the Democratic National Convention itself not use ranked choice, or why don't the primaries themselves are run by ranked choice? I mean, it can be either or. Because I think that's sort of where I was addressing the primaries. I don't think you use ranked choice, and they have you pick your candidate, because I think the average member, the average 
person might be easily confused by that. But why add to what you're saying? Yeah. It would actually be against the DNC rules to use ranked choice because the DNC rules require that if someone gets, for example, at least fifteen percent threshold, they earn delegates. So if you were to institute ranked choice, then you would get basically you would figure out who has the majority. In this case, you've already basically arrived at the issue that someone gets X number of delegates. And if you were to use ranked choice in a state, you would end up awarding all the delegates to one person, which is basically the opposite of what the DNC wants. The DNC wants a proportion representation as long as they get some threshold. So honestly, I think the DNC approach is actually even more, uh, at least representative than in the past we would expect because the the DNC approach is not the plural, plural, plurality wins all. The DNC approach is given some threshold value you get representation of the national convention. In my opinion, that's more equitable than ranked choice voting where just one candidate would win outright. Because in that case, that candidate will get all of the state's delegates, which for someone who might not be anyone's first, second, or third choice, but a compromise candidate, them receiving, for example, all the delegates from California would not really be equitable in a sense. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. All right. And lastly, um, if you want more details on how a broker convention works or really how the procedural steps in the convention take or what happens in a convention, listen to our episode on the DNC rules. With that, uh, thank you for listening to this quick Q&A. If you have any other questions you want answered, feel free to contact me or Chris. Um, thank you for listening. Hope you all have a great day.